Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help teens and adults with autism become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Storytelling is something that is universally loved as a way to educate and entertain in every culture. I think you can look no further in our culture with the growth of companies like Netflix, Hulu, and HBO, to name just a few, to confirm this fact. However, how many times are you hearing the voice of autistic people in in these stories? Today we will talk with Becca Laurie about how Geek Club Books gives people with autism an opportunity to share their important voices and essential stories. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Becca, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, I've met so many adults uh, that were diagnosed with autism as adults. How did that uh, process evolve for you? Well, I struggled most of my life um, trying to just figure out what was different about me, why I was having such a hard time. And I was a single child and a mom, single mom, so it was just she and I just trying to figure out everything. And then at about the age of 33, I kind of went into a huge depression after I lost my 13th job in 15 years. And I kind of gave up. I just put myself in bed in the house I grew up in and said, I'm done. And I couldn't figure out kind of what was that made me different or what it was that was making the world difficult for me. Um, so I just gave up. Was kind of how it was. And then uh, about three years into being in that situation, I was looking at other medical concerns that I had, and I kind of went into the, like, Wikipedia vortex you go into when you click at the bottom of all the articles. Uh, and somewhere in that journey, I found sensory processing disorder, which felt really, really familiar to me. Um, and it was super common for me, and I understood all of it. And then at the bottom of that, there was a linked to Asperger's syndrome, and I'd never heard of it, and I just started to read uh, the the entry, and as I was reading it, I felt like I was reading my own biography. Um, So when I was finished, I sort of sent it along to my mom, asked her for her opinion, and that's kind of how we went about on our journey to diagnosis. Now, currently you're working with uh, Geek Club Books. How did that relationship come about, and what are you doing with them? Now, how can uh, listeners learn more 
about Geek Club Books and read your wonderful writing? Um, if you head over to the Geek Club Books website, so that's geekclubbooks.com, if you head over there, there's a bunch of different blogs on the website, one of them is mine, so you can read mine there, but there's uh, other blogs by other autistic authors as well. Um, and then Brody does a really great thing where she created a lot of resources using comic books and animation and things like that uh, for schools and for parents uh, and for younger kids. And so there's some of that stuff there, the resources that you can download and share, um, and you can pass along the message of Geek Club Books. Now, you're a columnist for each issue of Zoom magazine um, and have written many wonderful articles. One article you wrote that I particularly enjoyed was titled Live Your Dreams Autistically. You talked about, at one point, being miserable because you followed the dreams of others had for you instead of following your own dreams. How did you go about turning that around and living a life of your dreams? Great. Now, another wonderful article you wrote that really resonated with me is because there are many people with autism that have a great support network, but there's many others that do not, and that often uh, can start with with family. So that okay. and that can really that type of dynamic can really cause all kinds of anxiety and depression. So, so when you received your autism diagnosis, this changed for you and you decided to redefine the people and animals that you chose to surround yourself with. Why did you decide to make this choice then? Um, well, kind of 
growing up, I was a little too much for a lot of my family. My mom and I kind of dealt with a lot of issues where we were being left out of things or not able to do things the way other people were doing them and stuff like that. And so, you know, my experience in real life of family versus what the definition of family is versus what TV tells us family is, they didn't make sense together and, and it never worked. So I had sort of learned in my head that there were some words that, you know, people used to mean something, and that wasn't my experience of those words. And I started to really struggle with those words. There were words like friends, family, uh, things like that, um, because I had not had such great experiences. And I realized as an adult, it was really entirely up to me who I wanted to share my space with, share my time with, share my feelings with and my, my personal struggles with, um, and that was entirely up to me, and that didn't mean that those people had to be related to me. And so what I found was that the people that were most supportive of me and the people I felt most comfortable with and the people that I wanted to time with were not my family of blood, but were my family of choice. Um, and so I decided that I would kind of redefine that word for myself so that I could build a family that I felt was acting like what I think the word family is supposed to mean. And so what I did was I surrounded myself with those people, uh, a lot of people that I met through the autism community. Um, and then, of course, my whole life I had always had pets. I'd always loved animals. I'd always been um, surrounded by that particular kind of love, and it's something that you know, I always wanted a lot of animals, and people would say, oh, well, you shouldn't have too many, you only need one cat, or, you know, make judgments about, um, but that didn't seem right to me, it, it sort of, you know, I always wanted more, and so now I have a much larger pack, dog, cats, and, and others, and that is part of my family, it's part of my support system, those guys are my, my support system through the challenges, even though um, most people would not consider them family. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, I'd, I'd recommend just about any article you've written in Zoom Magazine. However, the last article I wanted to talk with you about was um, talking about your pre-charge day ideas. First, um, can you share with everyone what is a pre-charge day and what are the types okay. of stressful things that you feel you need a pre-charge day for? with the concept of a pre-charge is that um, in the consulting, as I started to grow as a consultant, there started to be more travel. And I am not a travel person. I am. I like home. I like home a lot. Um, I like my pajamas. And I, I really don't like not being in control of the whole situation. And that's what travel kind of does for me. It sort of throws me off my routine. Nothing's familiar. I'm not in control of how it's all going to go. And it's kind of a really uncomfortable scenario for me. And it's exhausting. It also is a lot of balloons, right? It's a lot of energy to physically pack and physically get to all of the travel components and get it all done. And that's exhausting for me in terms of sensory and also social. And so there's all these layers of exhaustion that come with travel. And so I needed to figure out a way that if I wanted to keep doing some of this travel, a way to make it more sustainable, something that I could do for a long period of time, not mm -hmm. something that would be short-winded and then I'd have to recover from from so what I started to do was I realized that if I started to do more pre-planning, like packing a little bit earlier um, and thinking about kind of directions and all of those things and getting all of my travel organized a little bit earlier, if I could do that, I could kind of 
get that done. And then the day before that I really need to be moving and traveling, I could kind of take a, a recharge before I need it. So that's when I started to call it a pre-charge. So it was like, okay, well, can I use up all my energy that I need to pack and get ready for this trip? And then can I recharge back up before I have to get going on the travel? Right, and so I started to schedule those days into my calendar. So when I was working, I wouldn't make any appointments for that day. I wouldn't do any chores on that day. I would really just block it off as the day to sit around in my pajamas and just nap or whatever and just be low-key. And what I found when I did that was that I wasn't as exhausted when I got to my destination, which means that I wasn't quite as exhausted by the time I got home either, which made the recovery period a little bit shorter. I started to schedule the day after recoveries too, and I kind of had, if it was a for two days, I'd be off for four days, because that's what I needed to do for me. Um, but what happens with that, you know, over time is that you, you say, well, are there other places in my life where I could use this concept of pre-charging? Right? Can I, right. are there, there places that I can, can use it other places? So I know some, for some people, they struggle, um, like the Sunday before going to work on Monday. So doing something like Sunday morning, setting out your clothes for work and kind of getting yourself organized and doing your to-do list for Monday and then turning off for the rest of Sunday. Like, no worries. I can wake up tomorrow morning and get all set and that kind of stuff. So. That's what I started to do with it. And I am finding that the more I sort of anticipate environments or experiences that are going to be exhausting, if I can kind of charge up beforehand, it helps me to get through the entire thing. And so that's really where it came from. Now, you are the first guest on our podcast who hosts her own podcast, uh, Spectrumly Speaking. So and that's a podcast for and by women on the autism spectrum. What have you learned from this experience? Well, it was a really fun experience for me. So we did it for about two years, and it's been an interesting medium for me, right? It was, it's sort of like an odd mix, because you're not, you don't have any visuals, right? You don't have... Right. <laughs> you don't have to worry about your facial expressions and all of that stuff. Um, but at the same time, your voice needs to be sort of animated. So it's like an animated phone call. It's like a little bit more than that, you know. And finding my podcast voice, finding that comfort zone uh, in that place, it's been really fun because it's because I'm not worrying about facial expressions or what I'm wearing or what my hair looks like or any of those things. It really allows me, I think, to speak more freely and to really think about things as I'm and talking about them and really get into good discussions because it eliminates some of the things that I have to other with energy like eye contact or to my body how my body language is or you know what I'm looking at or what I look like or any of those things so that was a really fun part of it but I think you know it, it serves a purpose because the reason for doing it was hey you know not only are there women on the spectrum out here but there's a huge contingent contingent of women who support the women of the spectrum or people on the spectrum, women professionals and researchers that were not really getting highlighted either. Um, and so it was a good way to sort of spin the focus on that and remind people that as autistics, we can also get along with neurotypicals and that there are some neurotypicals that are actually our allies. And so um, it was a really great way to be doing that in a, a, you know, a tangible way. And I like playing with different mediums, so I, I took the opportunity as soon as it came my way. Right. And uh, do you have any tips for me? Because right now I'm about six months or so into into this podcast. So do you have any tips about how I can, because um, I'm always trying to explore 
um, finding my voice as as the interviewer. think that's some great advice. Uh, well, I really appreciate your time today. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and thank you so much to Becca for the conversation. I really like the idea Becca presented in terms of the pre-charge day as a way to decrease anxiety and to increase the likelihood of success in stressful situations. So often, teens and adults with autism struggle with anxiety and, as a result, don't have success in their lives. Autism Personal Coach is a unique service in that we help those with autism by working on meaningful, individualized goals in in a setting which they'll be used. So their anxiety is greatly reduced and, as a result, can be more independent and successful. To get an autism coach for a loved one or yourself, it's very easy. All you have to do is email autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call 216-336-5889 and request a coach today. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Nathan Morgan of Milestones Autism Resources about those with autism who are also part of the LGBT community. Talk to you then. Conversation is Even with Questions.